Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. And I am Brian Gill. And this is Mad uh, About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian, this week's movie of the week is what? This week we'll be talking about Disney's Tomorrowland. It's been quite a busy past seven days. It has. In, in Mad About Movies Land, has it not? No joke. I think this is our third episode in seven days. That might be a record. Yeah. Might be some kind of record. Listeners are going to have to go back and double check the facts on that. That's right. But, Take but, that, listener. But the summer movie season marches on, and so do we. We are doing our due diligence here by bringing you as many podcasts as we can covering this crazy summer movie season. That's right. And uh, I don't know if crazy is the right word to use for this summer movie season. Lackluster summer movie season? Uh, yeah, it could be. Slightly disappointing uh, it, summer movie season yeah, so far? Yeah, I, I think this is the bottom heavy year. So I think the uh, October through December releases are going to trump most of what comes out. Uh, the first half of the year. But, you know, there's some pluses. Fast and Furious was great. I liked Avengers quite a bit. Uh, Ex Machina was was strong. So, you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm starting to go back and, and think about the year so far. Uh, you know, like I said, we're almost into June here now mm-hmm. where the big summer releases are going to come out. Thinking about what kind of movies that we've, that we've talked about that I've seen personally that that could make up a top 10, you know, just starting to formulate my thoughts on this 2015. And it's not looking very good. I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed with the output of, of this year so far. And financially, I think that uh, it's kind of been similar. I saw this past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, was down 19% from last year. It would have been X-Men or Maleficent. I'm not sure exactly where Memorial Day fell. Okay. Last year. I think it was I think it was X-Men, Days of Future Past. Okay, there you go. Well, I, I saw an explanation online and I think this kind of I kind of agree with this uh this way of thinking that not really a sequel, not really any tentpole films being released uh, Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh Disney risky to sort of put a unknown uh, film Tomorrowland out there on Memorial Day weekend when it seems like it would be a perfect place to throw another Pirates of the Caribbean sequel or something out there that some people would know about. Uh, right. It was in, I was under the opinion last week uh, when we talked Mad Max Fury Road and, and Pitch Perfect 2 that uh, there would be more, I guess, curiosity towards Tomorrowland than there ended up being. I thought that the Disney pro- the Disney name, uh, the fact that it's based on something that people are loosely familiar with, uh, if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, mm-hmm. uh, that, the fact that it stars a A-list actor, if not the A-list actor in George Clooney, and it's got a sci-fi element to it, and it's something new, it's something uh, that people may want to uh, be the first to board on. I guess it's a bad thing saying, you know, there's not a built-in audience for it, but I think, for me at least... I'll be willing to check something out if it's the first of something and it looks kind of interesting and it looks yeah. like it could go somewhere down the road rather than, you know, like I said, the X 
sequel of Transformers or whatever like that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I, I sure. have no fatigue of Tomorrowland at all at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that that led to my curiosity, and I thought that the I thought the nationwide viewpoint of that would be similar, but not a big showing for Tomorrowland last weekend. Uh, Thirty five million dollars, I think, which still made first place. Believe it or not, that just shows yeah. you kind of how how bad of a weekend it was. And uh, Pitch Perfect fell off 56%. I, I predicted 50 last week. And, and Mad Max, I think, f- down 47%. So not good for those. I thought Mad Max would at least be maybe a 30%, maybe maybe have a, a better second week than, than norm- it is normal for uh, you know a second week, considering the amount of buzz that came out last week about it. Surprisingly, Poltergeist pulled in $23 million. Yeah, and I had no idea that that had even come out, and the marketing was absent, completely non-existent for it. You would have thought that that one could have been a late summer flick that they could just throw out there and uh, in in September with not much else to compete with. But apparently, there it was fine because it beat out Age of Ultron and mm-hmm. and Hot Pursuit and and the Paul Bart Mall Cop threes of the world. So uh, <laughs> Mall Cop two, sorry, Paul yeah, Bart Mall Cop. Don't get ahead of, of yourself. Well, it'll I, happen soon enough. I'm yeah, sure. it will. I I was walking into it was just this was last week. I was walking into Mad Max, and there was just jubilant people walking out of a theater. And I was like, oh, they must have seen a sneak preview of the new Pixar film or something. Looked up at the marquee, Paul Blart Mall Cop Two. I was like, <laughs> and there was clearly like a date night crowd and stuff. I was like, oh, what a great night these these people mm. have had. Go to the Steak and Shake and go see Paul Blart Mall Cup 2, baby. I'm pulling out all the stops this year. Happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want extra butter on the popcorn? You got it. You got anything for you, hun. Uh, yeah, but like I said, not a big showing for Tomorrowland, surprisingly. And there's not much movie news to talk about this week. Is there, Brian? Is there anything we need to... I haven't to... seen anything, dude. Usually okay. Memorial Day is pretty pretty weak for that kind of thing. Yeah, nobody's really paying attention anyway. Yeah. Not Box Office Mojo about. hasn't even updated yet from Friday. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so they're still... Uh... I had, yeah, I had to scramble to find the the totals you were... You were uh, talking about there. yeah to figure out they're still they're still drinking pina coladas over in their <laughs> office so <laughs> that's right we're gonna do the same we're gonna try and, and break down a little bit of this Tomorrowland film this might not be a super long podcast this week because we've been so active lately and we have stuff coming up this next week with san andreas and stuff i don't want to be right podcasted out for the next couple yeah. weeks and plus richard's not here and we all know he talks sure. more than either of you either of us combined so richard isn't here but I think I can formulate his opinion on, or what his opinion would probably be on this. Uh, I don't know about you, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I have a strong opinion on what Richard's <laughs> opinion would be. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, but like I said, no movie news to talk about. Really, this is kind of a lackluster week. We saw, we're sorry. Uh, I know movie news is probably something that people uh, look forward to on the show. It's one of our most popular segments, if not the most popular segment we do, movie news. I realize we haven't done it in the past few weeks, but like we've said before, if there's no movie news, we don't talk movie news. We don't just make things up just to uh, just to ramble or blabber or hear our own voices. So let's get right into the meat of the business this week and, and talk Tomorrowland. Now, I want to get initial thoughts from you, Brian, mm-hmm. but I do want to say Thank you to you and Richard for for putting that stellar Mad Men podcast together last week. 
Dude, and, it, it uh, worked out okay. I, I was I was a little surprised. I went back and listened to it. I don't always listen to our episodes just because, you know, I spend two hours with you guys. I don't necessarily want to hear our voices repeating what I've already heard uh, over and over again. But I did listen to that episode to see if it would play well and if we had screwed it up royally, which was a, a great fear for Richard and I. But it, it sounded well and uh, sounded pretty good. And uh, we got a lot of a lot of back uh, feedback and downloads and all that kind of stuff. Backlash, so yeah, yeah, backlash, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it was cool, and it's funny because y'all were like, "Okay, Ken, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna start recording this." I was like, "Okay, cool, just you know, send me the file when you're done, and I'll throw it right. together and put it on the put it on the feed." And and so usually, you know, mid evening we'll start we'll start podcasting uh, depending on the day. It depends on what works with our schedule or whatever. Right. So it was about mid evening last Tuesday. And y'all said, okay, we're going to get this going. So we'll have this to you shortly. I was like, okay, cool. So you know, I turn on the NBA playoffs or, or Stanley cup conference finals or whatever was going on at the, at the time. And I look at my clock and it's nearing 11 o'clock. I'm like, well, I hope something didn't happen. You know, I hope, <laughs> I hope they forgot to like, they didn't hit record and they just didn't want to tell me. And, and they, <laughs> you know, they've something glitched out or, or, or whatever. So finally 1030 rolls around or near 11 and Richard said, okay, Ken, I'm sending it your way. <laughs> so I sit there for another 30 minutes and say, man, this is taking a long time just to send over this, you know, audio file for this podcast. And then I, and then Right when I'm about to text Richard asking where it is, he goes, 17 minutes remaining. Like it's counting down the file transfer. I was like, good God, what, yeah. what, what did they do? And, uh, and so I throw the, throw the file into the old editor and uh, over two hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. Easily yeah. The, the, the lengthiest podcast on earth. And, and it's funny because as the host, as the proprietor of this show myself, I, every time we go over an hour on a show – yeah, I look at the clock and I'm like, okay, it's been over an hour. I, I feel an obligation to like sort of start wrapping things up, and I, sure. I hear Richard's yeah. like voice, and I ask him something, he'll be like, "Yeah, well, it was it was fine, <laughs> you know." I think I've yeah. said all the I listeners can say should know and... we we have a hard time keeping Richard on track for more than about 45 minutes. Sure. The, yeah. At that point, he needs a new dose of Adderall or something. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It was. I was looking at the clock and I was like, man, this is going forever. But we had a lot. We had seven, se- really eight seasons of of one of the best TV shows of all time to talk about. So yeah. it was it was bound to be long. I was a little surprised when I got done and realized, oh, man, it was like two hours and three minutes or something. But but I, th- I thought it played pretty well. And I listened to the whole thing and we've gotten good feedback. So hopefully people weren't too uh, too turned off by that length of, of time. What angers me a bit about it is that we could have easily done two and a half or three on The Office, and we didn't do it. I know, so, I know. Preemptively, I mean, maybe, maybe like five years, we can go back and do another one, do some sort of re- revisit. That that needs to happen. I'm down for that. We need I to, really am. We need to go back to Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, we ought to it. pick our. I was thinking about this the other day. We ought to pick our five or ten favorite episodes, and once they've expired out of iTunes, just kind of reboot it and and maybe even just uh update uh the the old episode and send it out as a new one or something like that to keep those to keep those good ones like like our top 10 favorite films of all time that sort of thing keep it active right for as long as possible so follow up to now you see me in draft day <laughs> uh, obviously 
<laughs> Obviously. I mean, now you see that's now you see me as a given, don't you think? Like the the amount of feedback, let's say this. I bet between the three of us when the news of Now You See Me 3 broke on Thursday or Wednesday, something like that last week, which that's the big news of the of the week, can't we we probably should have spent an we hour need, and a half we need or Richard so on for that. this one. We can't that's true. we can't do that without that's him. That's true. So we'll, we'll save our takes, but I think if you've listened to the show, I think you know our excitement for now you see me three and know how we know where we stand on that property. But I bet within the three hours of that news being announced, I bet between the three of us, we had had that blurb texted or Facebook or emailed or tweeted to us 30 times, something like that. No, I I woke up to it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was hilarious. Just all day, I, we were getting on our various social media feeds. We were getting uh, people saying, "Dude, did you see this?" And uh, so, I, it's it's hilarious to me that movie came out two years ago, and it is still, I, I think, probably the thing that we are most known for <laughs> at this point is people uh, going back and 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 watching that film and then listening to our podcast and then saying, "Oh my gosh, you guys were spot on." So yes. we were the only people brave enough to completely trash that that, that uh, film. I'm not even going to call it a movie. It's a masterpiece, really. Yeah, just a few housekeeping things to take care of before we dive right into Tomorrowland here. Uh, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com, including the Now You See Me episode. It always humors me to think about how people find it because it's so far back in the archive on the website only. It's not on yeah. iTunes. It's not on any of the podcast apps. People always seem to find it and listen to it. So if the, if the episodes aren't on iTunes that we refer to, go on our website. There's a search function towards the bottom right corner. You can do that. Search the, the title of the movie. Search the subject uh, because oftentimes in the description we'll, talk, we'll, we'll put other things we've talked about in that episode. Say if you want to find every time we've talked about Star Wars, you know, there's probably – 25 episodes at this point where we've mentioned or talked about Star Wars at length or something like that. So you can find all of that on our website, all of our weekly recommends on there, which we'll get to after our Tomorrowland review. And if you like what we do, you can always donate uh, at the front of our website on our donation page. Just click donate right in the front and center of madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Donate however much you want. I noticed we got a literally. Another. We don't put a cap on that. We I know don't. that's yeah. uh, that's common. That's a commonly held misbelief. Mis, uh, that's you can a, only that's. donate this much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we we do not cap that, and uh, I don't think the IRS does either. So I saw we got another one hundred dollar donation last week. Boom! And uh, Sahil is your name, and we're going to shout you out properly at a later time, and right. and uh, do all the the good things we do for the people that donate that. Amount of money, but I mean, the support has been great. But if you like the show and you want to keep it going, you can donate at our website at moundaboutmoviespodcast.com. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door, all the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and 
garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So let's get right to it, Brian. Let's go general thoughts first and uh, save a little bit of the spoilery stuff towards the middle to uh, late uh, late quarter of this episode, if we can. Not much okay. spoilery stuff to talk about, but there is stuff that I don't want to sure. ruin for, for the listeners who haven't seen the film yet and are just curious about our thoughts. So I guess you can get general thoughts first. So this was way high on my anticipation scale. I'm looking at my blog right now, and uh, every year, at the beginning of the year, and then again in July, I put out a top 10 most anticipated list for the the next six months, and Tomorrowland was number two on my list for for this six months of uh, of movie releases. What was number one? Uh, Furious 7. Okay. So we have... Obviously. Uh, we, yeah, obviously. Yeah, come on. Why'd you even have to ask? Uh, so we bypassed that, obviously, and Avengers 2 was number three. The only movie left that I was super super excited about is the Pixar movie uh, Inside Out which still looks great. Um I know I'm going to cry all of all of the tears during that one so I'm still still yeah. stoked about that. But yeah, Tomorrowland was number 2 on my list. I love Brad Bird. Uh, I love George Clooney, American Treasure, George Clooney. Right. I have a great affinity for Disney movies especially when done correctly, obviously. I love Disney World and all that sort of stuff. I know that we've talked about that a little bit on the show before. It's like probably the weirdest thing about me, I think. But uh, I love Disney World, love the energy that I got from these trailers. And I, like you, I was very intrigued that they were able to I like the I like when we get trailers where they don't give everything away or anything away, as was the case with this film. Now, the flip side of that is I think that probably doesn't help the box office, which is a shame. But I like that I didn't really know very much about this film going in other than just the kind of the general feel and who was in it and stuff like that. Um, so I was very, very excited about this. Then over the last couple of weeks, the buzz has been mostly negative and sometimes very negative. It definitely brought me down to the point where I, I kind of expected it to just be a train wreck of a movie. And I don't think it is, and and maybe you will, but there's a lot. I think there's a lot to like here. It's definitely not the uh, cleanest script by any means, and I'm sure we can talk about Lindelof here in a little bit. But <laughs> there's definitely it leaves a lot on the table, which is a bummer. But I don't think it's a it's a it's a bad movie, or, or certainly not a terrible movie. So I guess what I would say is. This is not nearly Tomorrowland, not nearly as good as I expected it to be two months ago, and not nearly as bad as I expected it to be two weeks ago. If that makes sense, it kind of my expectations have been lowered so significantly that uh, by the time I actually got in the theater and the movie got going, because it definitely the first twenty minutes are the worst twenty minutes. I think it just takes forever to get moving, uh, but once once it got moving and got into a sort of a, a little bit of a groove, I for the most part enjoyed it. Very lighthearted enjoyment. It's this is not something that I'm in love with, or that I'm going to go yell from the rooftops that people have got to get out and see Tomorrowland. But I mean, I, I certainly didn't feel like I, I had a bad time at the theater, and uh, and I was kind of expecting that by the time I got in. 
I have thoughts that are similar to yours. Similar in the fact that uh, you hear train wreck and you you right. see the you see the critic I guess blurbs out there and the the one liners that people throw out regarding this and this is not this is not the Lone Ranger guys this is not yeah. that it's yeah. not that it's not uh yeah the Lone uh, Ranger is the big one because that's that's just a god awful movie and I don't think this is by really by any stretch of the imagination but at the same time i kind of think don't you think richard will hate this movie whenever he sees it just i think so yeah <laughs> i think so and what's mainly disappointing to me is that this is this is an idea that can work and should have worked and it's interesting and and like i said before uh, in the intro of this episode is this is something that intrigues me and intrigues a lot of people um <laughs> that you know, the future definitely intrigues everybody. Uh, the, it, visions of the future is something that we rarely get on screen that are done, I guess, effectively or or done to where, you know, it's something – it's somewhere where the, I want to be. You know, this mm-hmm. is not a dystopian yeah. future by any means. This is not a post-apocalyptic future by any means. Uh, and as we're coming off a week of Mad Max Fury Road where, you know, it's a future a complete opposite of, of the future where – we're witnessing in Tomorrowland, but man, I loved the marketing for this. The only trailer that I had seen was that first trailer, where uh, where Casey, the lead uh, female character, gets the pin and, and is transformed into another dimension. It seems, and and I was I was hooked from then. You know, that's all I had seen. I I saw Brad Bird and and I think Lindelof, but I pretty sure I unfollowed Lindelof on Twitter a, a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, tweet Smart. and saying, "Hey, don't watch the trailers if you don't want to be spoiled because the the newer trailers get kind of spoilery." So it had a very vintage um, feel to it. Yep. It had a very inspired feel to it. It's a throwback movie. I I really I felt that way, yep. and and it felt inspired and and reminiscent of a lot of great science fiction films and of the past. You know. As far back as even Metropolis or uh, the day the Earth stood still, and we see sure. we see some uh, some allusions to that later in the movie in a scene that I particularly enjoyed involving a science fiction uh, comic book shop. Yeah, and I love the vision here. I love I, I I get what they were trying to do. I love Brad Bird and I love Lindelof, and you know I get them putting their their brains together and like, well, let's just create a world that nobody's ever seen. Let's let's get Disney on board and we'll base it loosely on you know Tomorrowland, the the land of the future that we see in in Disney World. I don't know if if what the, if that was the thought process, you know if right. But I'm pretty sure that they had written most of this screenplay and come up with this, this idea with with Disney not involved and and Tomorrowland itself not involved at all. Like this that was something that they I guess a marketing opportunity that they saw that they couldn't pass up, <laughs> you know. Sure. Uh hey, you're making a movie about the future? Well, we so we just so happen to have a part of our theme parks that revolves around the future. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like sure. the fact that that Gore Verbinski could have been working on a Pirates movie for a long time, and Disney was like, "Hey, Pirates of the Caribbean, that sure. could work," you know, something like that. I, you know, I haven't done my research there, so I apologize there, but that's just how it felt. So, uh, it felt like the baby of of Lindelof and Brad Bird, and uh, more so Lindelof and Brad Bird because the direction here isn't isn't terrible. Uh, the, I think the, I, I'll take it a step further, Ken. I think the direction is 
uh, is really good, like bordering on great. It's definitely the highlight of the film. I'll put it that way. You know, I was actually pleasantly surprised with the setup. I know you complained a little bit about it, but uh, the the George Clooney as a child Mm -hmm. uh, with the jetpack and him going to the New York World's Fair and and bringing his invention to the fair and, and it getting rejected and then him finding the token i guess i can call it a token or a badge or pin should we call it a pin it's pin it's from pin. it's pin from now on done it, it was weird because it was disneyland at the new york world's fair for a second you know it's like wait yeah. weren't we just at the world's fair okay now we're I, on a ride at disneyland it kind of i don't felt, know how accurate that is i mean I, I heard a voiceover yeah. say Welcome to the Tomorrowland exhibit at the New York World's Fair or something like that. Right. I don't even know the explanation they had there, but they had to find some way. But the little the, – the scene where he gets on there and then the, the laser comes down and scans the thing and approves him and then he goes down like a separate tunnel and mm-hmm. and and that's his passageway into Tomorrowland was was a really exhilarating, fun scene and you know showed me that Disney can create things that look – practical and it's not just here we're going to zap you to uh to outer space and there you are you know like it it had some some ingenuity and imagineering if you will to uh to get from point a to point b there and and i really enjoyed the the creativity of it all um, so would you like uh i I did a little research while you're talking there tomorrow or excuse me it's a small world was at the 1964 world fair they had a a disney exhibit basically okay yeah exactly so, i know i heard a voiceover mention something like that <laughs> yeah so it's uh, kind of it's fairly that's at least fairly accurate to you know the actual truth of what happened so that's kind of cool sorry it was the it's a small world ride that's what it uh-huh. was and yeah. i was wondering why is it's a small world at the new york world's <laughs> fair i thought yep. that was a, a la thing but i guess not uh but there are allusions all over the place to science of the past, science of the future. Tesla is named multiple times. Uh, the, the main character or main family themselves are the Newtons. <laughs> uh, right. The, well, the female lady character that we meet in Tomorrowland is named Athena, who of course is the goddess of, of mathematics, wisdom, courage, uh, civilization. It all, it all makes sense. There are reasons for everything here. It's it, yeah. And, so I, I appreciated that. They, they put more thought into just naming these people and throw them in a futuristic world, and, and, and there you go. I mean, uh, it feels inspired. It doesn't feel like a cash grab at all sure. from, from Lindelof or Brad Bird or Disney. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what's disappointing is because it doesn't work as well as it should have. Um, but uh, this, is, this is my opinion, and, and – you can agree or disagree, but this reminded me of a film that we both know quite okay. well. It's called Star Wars, <laughs> Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Sure. And mainly because, okay, first of all, PG rating on Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I walked in the theater, extremely young crowd. Like, yep. like I felt like I was walking into... Uh, Smurfs 2 or something like that yeah. with the amount of, of small children in this crowd. So, right. I think I, that's one of the biggest downfalls of the film is that I think we all expected this was going to be a PG-13 kind of epic sort of sci-fi adventure type film. And instead, it's really a kid's movie. And that 
I think we knew that when it when it got rated PG because nothing gets rated PG anymore, at least not live action. And so when that happened, that that was the first indication of like, oh, the, our expectation has to ship. But I I think yeah. you're right. Like it it should have been. I'm not going to say it should have been. It is what it is. It's a kids' film. Maybe that's exactly what they were going for, and that's what they got. To be more successful, I think it would have been better off cranking it up a notch to make it a little more adult friendly and adult oriented and, and you might have had some more success on that front but i think it was just confusing seeing all the ad, the the strange advertisements and trailers and then to come to find out oh it's just this is just a kids movie that doesn't i thought it worked okay and i'll talk about that some more as we go but but it was a definite the pg thing was a major shift for me yeah, I don't think it works at all as a kids film. And that's one of my main complaints here. If you're if you're going to give it the PG, if you're going to push it towards uh, a younger audience, a sub 10-year-old audience, at least at least throw concepts in there that kids can understand or that kids mm. can can grasp onto. That sure. that's why I compared it to episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Sure. Uh, just because of the fact George Lucas all along in every Star Wars film he has done and, and did, he says, well, they, these are movies for kids. I make right. these movies for kids. That's who they're for. Jar Jar Banks is a, is a, is a <laughs> character. He's for little kids. Uh, but then 90% of the plot of, of the prequel trilogy has, has to do with trade embargoes. And, right. Midichlorians. And no, no kid has, knows what... Uh, you know, blockades of imperial sure. sentence and and all that. No one cares. No kid cares about any of right. that stuff. Right. And and that's the stuff they fast forward when they put on the movie. <laughs> and I felt like this had a lot of that similar type of heavy handed. You know, I got it. I understood it. I. Right. It was it was the parts of the movie for me that I wanted more of, more explanation about how this happened. Uh, how can we? Avoid the our inevitable future, and and they go a lot into that with with the Hugh Laurie character later into the film. But right. uh, it it had the marketing and it had the look and feel of a kids film. But unfortunately, it it I didn't feel like it was a kids film. But it it could have it could have been a very successful PG thirteen if they had made it a little more serious and yep. and a little maybe a little bit longer. Honestly, I wanted a little bit more exposition, a little bit more explanation, sure. and. And for me, one of the one of the biggest downfalls of the film is that we don't spend enough time in Tomorrowland. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when the movie is called that, point. there's a lot you see it in the distance. Uh, but we've seen that shot, guys, in The Wizard of Oz in, in 1939. It's not right. the Emerald City in the background is not something that 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 blows our mind anymore. I wanted to see more of the city, and and what we saw was cool. The little jetpacks we saw was cool. Um, my favorite part of, I guess the future were the swimming pools, how you could swim yeah, uh, was very, down very on cool. one and then fall down into the other. If you've seen the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That was awesome. And, and I just didn't see enough of this future and, and it was too much of earth and had a very ET feel to it. Like, uh, or earth to echo. Do you remember earth to echo last year? Yeah, absolutely. It had a very earth to echo feel to it. Sure. And that's not what I wanted from this movie. I wanted it to be more, more spectacular, more awe-inspiring, and and it just wasn't wasn't for me. No, I think you're totally right. I think they're stuck somewhere in between a kids movie and an adult film, and that's like that's why Pixar is so much better at making 
their animated films than anyone else in the world is, is because they're so good at, at kind of bridging the gap between those two parties and making those movies enjoyable for adults and kids. And I definitely think there's some, there's some missteps here and there of, you're right. They either needed to add 20 minutes or so of some exposition and explanation and more time in Tomorrowland and, and to where it becomes a little more of a serious adult film, or it needed to be cut by 15 or 20 minutes and reordered a little bit with all the stuff with, with Clooney as a kid and stuff I think could have been done in flashback and less of it. And it would have, I don't know. It just, it took so long for the movie to get started and I didn't mind it from my perspective, but I wondered if kids are going to be able to stick with this. So you're right. I think it just kind of got stuck somewhere between those two things. And at times it works on both sides, but it rarely works together at the same time for adults and kids i would i would guess yeah the production design the ingenuity like i said the vision itself is great and Mm. and it's something that i hope brad bird embraces and moves moves forward on you know it reminds me of john carter yes absolutely that's the biggest influence to me it's the biggest influence to me because john carter while you know a, a pretty decent film and i liked it more than more than Tomorrowland. We're, we're two of the few that really, I think, actually liked I actually that. watched John Carter yesterday. I think it was on TNT or something. Yeah, I, I, ca- I, caught a, I got 20 minutes of it this Caught afternoon. it in the background. <laughs> I was like, man, this yeah. is way better than people remember yeah. or gave you credit for. But very similar in the fact that you know Andrew Stanton and, and Brad Bird, both Pixar alum, right. both given opportunities, huge budgets to go out uh, for Disney and create something that hopefully they can – branch off of make a franchise out of and and that the the masses will embrace well unfortunately the masses haven't embraced either and yeah. and it doesn't seem like tomorrowland is going to work internationally either because it's already 56% released overseas so it's not like they have this big rush coming in the next few weeks of yeah. of international gross or or finances so that's unfortunate but you know I just don't know what there's so much Lindelofisms in here, and <laughs> yeah. I guess we can start talking about his role in in this film and and if he should even be allowed to to write <laughs> screenplays anymore. Uh, because if I'm not mistaken, story by Brad Brad Bird, sure. and I'm making sure here story yeah story by Brad Bird and Jeff Jensen. And screenplay by Damon Lindelof and Brad Bird. So it seems like Lindelof's main coup is to just take a story and Lindelof the crap out of it. Yeah. And and he you know he did the same thing with Alien Genesis, which was ended up being Prometheus. And sure. and if you are a fan of Prometheus, if you've seen the film, you know it's highly criticized for you know things not being explained, things not being explored. Well, why does this happen? Uh, but we don't get an explanation. Well, a lot of that stuff was in the script, in the original script, Alien Genesis, and then Lindelof came in, chopped it all up, and and made it into a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think he honestly had to delete his Twitter, now that I think about it, because yeah, he did. so he many did. people w- would just not shut up about, why did you ruin a perfectly good movie? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like black and white. It, the I guess, I don't want to talk all about Prometheus, but... The fact that Charlize Theron's father is is Wayland, right, is is briefly mentioned in 
uh, in Prometheus, but there's a whole explanation about her intentions, about why she's trying to sabotage the mission and, and all of that stuff, which is, is not in the movie at all, but would really help uh, with making that a better movie. But mm-hmm. that's just one example. But I felt some of the dialogue is just so obvious. Like, for example, uh, Casey escapes from home, runs away from home. Her father, Tim McGraw. Uh, Not bad, by the way. I didn't even recognize him. I was like, this guy's pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's Tim McGraw. I like Tim McGraw in in most of the stuff he does. He's good at picking roles that don't require him to act too much, but also do not come across as, oh, there's Tim McGraw. You know what I mean? Like he's He was really good in the Friday Friday Night Lights movie, and there's a couple other things that he's done along the way where – you know, there's nothing super impressive about his acting ability, but he he also does not jump out at you as, oh, there's a country musician trying to be an actor, which is usually what happens with, with rappers for the most part. You know, you usually yep. – whenever a rapper is in a movie, it just – after about five minutes, you're like, why is this guy so bad? And then you realize, oh, it's Lil Wayne. I, I guess <laughs> that's the, the issue. But Dwight uh, Yoakam, another great one. Yeah, dude, loved, totally. Love me some totally. Dwight Yoakam in, in a movie. Yeah. But any anywho, uh, Tim McGraw, great in Flicka, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just go rent Flicka. Your mind will be blown. Um, in that scene, he picks her up. He's he's yelling at her, screaming at her, where, where have you been? What have you been doing? And he literally says the line, I am very upset with you right now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. like we didn't know that by the right. fact that he was yeah. yelling at her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, there was no need to explain any of that. When you're not in Tomorrowland, but you still have the pin, there are walls, like normal walls still exist in this world. Uh, so did did she find a field to go to where there would be no walls to where pretty she's, much, yeah. she's pretty yeah. much able to to explore Tomorrowland without the fear of running into a wall from right. Earth? You For know what I'm saying? Part. I felt Yeah, that, yeah. I felt like that was a uh, something that happened in the first few, you know, instances where she discovers Tomorrowland uh, for comic relief's sake, but right. it never really they never really stuck to that uh, throughout the remainder of the film. But I, I guess that that could be an explanation. Yeah, I think there. when you when you're touching the pin, it's essentially like a preview of what is to come. Once they actually got to Tomorrowland, then that was a different thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. By the way, just now noticed that uh, the daughter or the little brother of, of yeah. Casey Newton, uh-huh. his name is Nate Newton. <laughs> How nice. awesome is that? Former strong. former Dallas Cowboys, great offensive lineman. Did you recognize who that kid was? From the, I recognized from what him. What movie was he? He's he's the creepy kid from Looper. Okay. Yes. Yes. Exactly. No, I I did recognize him, and I remember him being great in Looper. Yeah, yeah uh, and and one of the better kid actors I've seen. So, I mean, know. he's not Jake Lloyd, but you know, he's that's got fine. he's we got all, a f- yeah. He's we've got, got aspirations. It's fine. Yeah, he's got a few more years before he's terrible, like all right. kid actors. <laughs> there was a great little scene in that I mentioned earlier that I want to talk about uh, involving Catherine Hahn and uh, uh, Key and Peele, yeah. uh, Keegan Michael Key, I should say. Yeah, that was a cool little setup they had there. Uh, cool. Very men in black. Very men in black. Uh, the, I guess, weapons embargo that we see in men in black. Mm-hmm. I guess that was a cool way to eliminate some exposition and to show that 
this has happened in the past. There are other other people have have had these pins that Tomorrowland. Sure. It's not like just she stumbled upon a relic from you know ancient Egypt or something like that. Like these, right. this is this is well sought after. It's a well known thing among a certain culture, I guess. Sure. And uh, I, I thought the scenery, the scene alone, um, the setting for that was was great. And there are a ton of Easter eggs in there. I don't know if if you noticed all oh, of them. Yeah. I but, want to go to that store. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Like my my mind was my eyes were wandering through that entire sequence uh, at the Easter eggs. And you know, good thing Disney has the rights to Star Wars now because they <laughs> filled that sucker yeah. full of that Star Wars. That scene would have cost a hundred million dollars. <laughs> exactly. But I saw. A lot of Brad Birdisms in there. Yeah, I don't know about I, you. I saw a lot of the Incredibles stuff. I saw was in some, there. a lot of Incredibles, uh, little action figures. They had an entire wall of Iron Giant stuff <laughs> uh, right yeah. behind the counter. I don't know if you saw that. We had yeah. Evil Emperor Zerg in there from Toy Story. I'm right. assuming that's a Brad Bird uh, influenced character. Uh, Homer Simpson. Uh, we saw Homer Simpson. Doll, and I understand Brad Bird m- might have been in- a writer or involved in The Simpsons in the early days. Awesome. So, uh, so there yeah, you was, go. Another cool. Easter egg. We we get an action scene in there, and we find out. I, I guess we should go to spoilers. Are we not already in spoilers? Yeah, let's just let's just put it out there. Okay, we should we should go into spoilers now. So, spoilers coming up now for Tomorrowland. Go see it. Some cool visuals. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not a great movie. It's a, it's a, honestly, to me, it's a 50-50. Uh, sure. You can love it or hate it. Uh, I'm honestly split down the middle. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just kind of uh, it kind of exists for me sure. as a movie. Um, but go see it nonetheless. Please give us your thoughts on it and email those into the show. We love those. Yeah. So spoilers coming up now for Tomorrowland. We're at the we're at the comic book shop, the Blast from the Past comic book shop, and it gets ambushed. And we find out that the proprietors of the fine establishment are, in fact, not human. Uh, Agatha is, in fact, a... It's an, it's an audio-animatron or... Audio-animatron. Audio audio-animatronic, yeah. There you go. They're, they're, in fact, not human. They are auto-animatron. Why can't they just use the word android or AI <laughs> or... I guess those that's kind of played out at this. Well, point, if you so. if you'd like to know, I'll, I'll tell you why okay. it's different. It's because if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland or one of those places uh, and go to some of their older stuff like Carousel Progress or um, uh, what's the what's the other the Hall of Invention stuff like that. Yeah. They have or the Hall of Presidents. They have these robots that will tell you the stories that they're supposed to tell you. Oh, okay, yeah, they do. They're called they audio animatronics. Okay, so that's, yeah. I didn't so make that, that connection. that's the Disney influence there once again. Right, absolutely. I I didn't know that the, the technical term for those. Yeah. I well, thought oh, I I knew it uh you know animatronics were. It's like I've seen Jumanji guys. I know <laughs> I know animatronics. I yeah. don't know why they had to explain that in <laughs> in a futuristic world, but that that makes total sense. Another little right. easter egg there for you. This movie was full of lingo. Speaking of lingo that well you know for a kids audience is just so so over the top. I don't, you know, facial yeah. recognition profiles. Like, what what two year old or three year old is gonna is gonna understand that? Some of it's unavoidable. I understand if you're if you're if you're inventing a world here, uh, you you have to, there has to be a certain ascent or aspect of sophistication to what you do. 
Sure. You know, there has to be something like that seems wondrous, that seems out of this world about it. And and lingo is one thing to do it, but you know, like I said, I felt bad for some of the this, the younger audience in the theater because, you know, for me, I got it and I loved it. And you know, Ex Machina is my favorite film of the year, and it's that's it's all about that. Right. But for me. And for the for the audience, I just I, I felt a little bad. I it, they could have dumbed it down a little bit more for them, and I wouldn't have minded it uh, yeah. at all. But what did we think about the Eiffel Tower sequence? Yeah, that was the most well. Besides the the scene in the nerd shop, that was the most Men in Blackish yeah uh, sort of sequence in the film. This this is just a movie that borrows from a lot of other sources, and I I don't think it is straight stealing from any of those sources or that it should that's why, be, that's why i use the word influenced earlier. yeah it, totally yeah. you know it, i don't think it, it should even it's to me it's not a, even a negative to say it's definitely being influenced by men in black and star wars the prequels and john carter and even some harry potter uh and some stuff like that like there's definite influences from those films that was the the most egregious this is just straight out of Men in Black. Besides, again, besides the sh- the, the scene at the nerd shop, it was kind of cool. It's an interesting set piece, but uh, you know that wasn't. I wouldn't say that was my favorite sequence of of the movie. It was. Co- it looked cool, but it wasn't the most uh, original idea inside of an original film. And I want to talk more about the the sum of the whole here. I want to talk about the point of this movie. And I was wondering the entire time it took forever. Like you said, to get it going, to start <laughs> explaining any of this, I was wondering why does Tomorrowland exist? Why do people want to go there? Why is George Clooney been evicted from Tomorrowland? And we finally get a sense of that when Hugh Laurie's character comes back into the fold. We're introduced to him at the world's fair you you can tell he's a villain of some kind just because of his stature and because he's Hugh Laurie. Right. He's got a British accent. So. He's got, got a British accent. <laughs> he was dressed in dark colors. So right. uh, make it make it a little obvious for us. Yeah. Clint Eastwood put him all in black. So he was a bad guy. <laughs> hey, worked for Darth Vader. <laughs> so the point of Tomorrowland, I guess, the the reason Tomorrowland exists is because this is what will happen or, or has happened to the people who – to the world that that listened to uh, the warnings, um, mm-hmm. this is what would happen if if we, I guess, ignore or choose to if we choose to not accept our avoidable fate. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there we've seen it in movies plenty of times, and and in, even specifically in documentaries over the past ten years. Uh, I guess specifically to name an inconvenient truth, like the warning right. signs are there. Sure. Uh, the, the stats don't lie. You know, we're going to end up screwed. And, you know, the ozone layer is, is chipping away day by day. And, you know, you can see it almost like with your eyes mm-hmm. and, and the polar ice caps are melting. Flooding is happening everywhere. More tsunamis, more earthquakes. Climate change is, is in fact real. Technological development is stalling. Uh, we, uh, we're running out of natural resources, all of the above. Uh, and they even spell it out here. They go, they say movies and TV have influenced the culture. Obesity is rampant. Uh, starvation is at an all time high climate change. And, uh, I, I love the line that, you know, 
surprisingly love love the line. I don't know who's responsible for it, but uh, <laughs> Hugh Laurie says, you know, just because they warned the Titanic didn't mean they didn't hit the iceberg. Right. And I thought that was a, such a perfect way to go about uh, this whole situation. Like, guys, we're we're telling you now, we're screwed. We need to do something about it. We need to change the way we're living. We need to, you know, be greener. We need to sure. eat more organic foods. We need to um, carpool more, ride more bikes, walk more. You know, do all of the above. Anything we possibly can. You know, bring your own grocery sack to the grocery store for for God's sake. You know, every little bit counts. And right and. I want to get your opinion on the inevitable fate of mankind. I know that's kind of a, that's kind of a weird, you know, broad question. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that's the main theme, and that's that's the main discussion of this yeah. film. Well, and it's very it's very preachy, but it's a pretty good sermon. You know, like that's that's kind of how I looked at it. It was I saw a lot of of negativity towards the film based on man, it's just so preachy, and it it is. It definitely has a message that it wants to get across, and. That's not the typical message that you're going to get from a summer blockbuster kind of film. But, you know, they're not – it's not wrong. It's not a wrong message by any means and it definitely could have probably been handled in a little bit less heavy-handed fashion. But it's still – I thought it worked. It were, that aspect of it really reminded me of the Lorax, which is probably yeah. my <laughs> second or third favorite Dr. Seuss book. I, I love the Lorax. I have a – in my kid's room, I have a print – from uh, the Lorax is one of his big sayings is, you know, unless somebody like you does something big, you know, th- nothing's going to change unless you care, basically, uh, which is a great message and something that I love from that that book. And, you know, the movie's not that great, but but it, it very much reminded me of that. Uh, but that's it's OK, I think, to be preachy if you're delivering a good sermon. And I thought that that I thought that that was and I, I kind of appreciated that aspect and while it didn't make me ball and and weep and cry like it very well could have uh, i thought that it was delivered pretty well to the point of yeah okay i get it and maybe i don't know i think the idea would be for some kids to get that idea in their heads and want to want to do something about it i don't know how successful it's going to be on that front but it's it's ambitious it's trying it's trying to do something it cares you know uh, I think Tomorrowland cares a lot, and I don't think you can say that about most quote-unquote soulless blockbuster films. Yeah, and I kind of enjoyed the final sequence where where we see uh, the the pins have have come back. They're mm-hmm. they're plentiful now. They're they're now recruiting the brightest minds, the the people right. that care. Uh, yep. Let's just say that. In order to build a better Tomorrowland, and and sure. I always wondered why why Hugh Laurie was at the beginning, why George Clooney wanted to to win. I guess he wanted to win the fifty dollars, but you know, I'm assuming Hugh Laurie was recruiting people to help with the brightest minds to right. to build a better future. Yeah, and and so I liked that you know they picked random people at the end, you know, the construction workers, the uh, teachers, mm-hmm. and uh, veterinarians and, and, yeah. you know, numerous other people that, you know, anybody get, get, who doesn't wear a suit. Right. <laughs> no, no, sure. It's like basically, you know, the message this gets across, it got across to me. And, and the message of the film is, you know, get your mind right. Do, sure. you know, invest in your future, you know, 
invest, learn about science, uh, you know, do things that are going to better the world, uh, you know, think about the impact on others. It, it has right. a very broad and, and impactful message, but it's just, it just doesn't work on, on a mass scale because there's so much men in black mumbo jumbo, just, mm-hmm. just yeah. blatant, there's- like campy science fiction mixed in almost, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're, you go from, uh, talking about you know scaring people straight, the inevitable fate of mankind, and the next scene you're blowing a guy's head off, and green goo is coming out. You know, <laughs> right. it's kind of you know pick a side here, guys, and right. and stick with it. But I, I would have loved a, a more serious version of this film, and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we get that eventually, uh, not in the form yeah. of Tomorrowland Two or anything. But right. you know, this yeah, is a theme. This is a theme that I would love to see explored sure. more. And, I, and and it's on the kind of the polar opposite of something like idiocracy, you know? Right. <laughs> idiocracy is like, yeah. okay, if we don't change, yeah. here's, you know, that's obviously a very rated R movie, but, right. but, but watch Idiocracy after Tomorrowland and it, yeah. it will make you laugh a lot. <laughs> but um, it yeah. was, it was cool to see uh, where we could be, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to make sure we have flying uh, jetpacks from now on. <laughs> that's, that's what yes. I'm going to do. Yes, great idea. No, you're right. There's a lot of good ideas here. Uh, again, I think I think this is it's not he's not going to get credit for it because it's not that great of a movie. But I think Brad Bird's direction is fantastic because I yes. think he was working with a lot of. I'm not going to even say a lot of bad. I just think he was working with a lot and trying to pull together a lot of ideas that don't all fit together very well. And the fact to me, the fact that it came together as at least a decent movie in some way or that rather than just being a total disaster. Like there's a, there's another dimension in which Tomorrowland is basically Jupiter ascending. Don't you think like it could have been <laughs> oh, yeah. a total disaster. I really think most of that is Lindelof's fault. Uh, and I, I'm not a Lindelof hater. I don't think, but I definitely think uh, I said this to our friend, Jason, I went to see the this movie with him. And I said afterwards, uh, we just need to basically make it to where Lindelof is only allowed to write treatments for film. He's only allowed to write 20 to 25 page stories and treatments because he has some decent ideas. He has no clue on how to bring them all together and how to sure. tie this grandiose vision together into a cohesive whole. And he, he's proven that time and time again at this point. Uh between Lost and his work on The Leftovers and even the the second Star Trek film, the worst part of that movie is the script and obviously Prometheus. And I can't remember, maybe, I don't know if you do, Kent, was he the cleanup guy on World War Z or was he the original script? I can't I can't remember which one it was. World War because, Z. Okay. Yeah, I, I, he has one screenplay credit, but he wasn't, uh, wasn't a story by... Okay. Uh, but See, him and Drew Goddard both came in to clean that one up. Right. Okay. That's the thing. Because I, I remember with World War Z, somebody wrote wrote a script that was a complete and utter disaster. And they even filmed most of it. And, and then it just played so poorly that they had to come in and redo the last half of the movie. And I can't remember for the life of me if Lindelof was the one that came in and helped clean that up it and, says, and redid it or if it was the reverse, if he'd messed it up to begin with. According to the WGA credit, Screenplay mm-hmm. by Matthew Michael Carnahan, okay, and cleaned up by Drew Goddard and Damon Lindelof. Like it okay. has a screenplay 
as, as an ampersand. Like if okay. you, you know what I mean? Like sure, ampersand sure, sure. and, and are mean two very different things with, with writing credits, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. So it means Goddard and, and Lindelof work together to, okay. I guess, clean well, up, pick good. up the pieces. Yeah. That's, so. that's definitely in his favor then because yeah. World War Z turned out to be a decent, pretty decent movie. And uh, it, if you've read the, if you've not, re- if you've seen that movie and you don't know what the original ending is, you should go Google that because it's one of the biggest disaster type things you've ever read in a, in a movie. It's just a total mess. And it's amazing that it ever got greenlit. Uh, so he did some good work on that, but I think he's got good ideas and I think he has interesting sensibilities and he just falls too far down the rabbit hole and gets too obsessed with chasing the mystery box. And I think that's why he and JJ Abrams have worked together so many times is because JJ Abrams definitely has that same, I'm not going to say downfall, but he, he definitely has that same interest where he want, he likes the mystery aspect of things. He's just happens to be better at bringing it all together. So Lindelof, stop. We just, we just, I think we've gotten to the point now where we can say he doesn't know how to write a cohesive script, at least on any kind of grandiose, ridiculous level like this is. Uh, so I thought Bird did everything he could to make it work, uh, in spite of what he was probably given to work with. And we should say, too, I don't know how you felt, but Britt Robert Robertson, the main character, I thought she was really, she was really good. Fantastic, yeah. Great, a- great acting, but also the character – again, I'm going to credit Bird. That character could have become obnoxious in about five minutes, and instead she comes across as plucky and spirited, which is exactly what that role called for. So that's – I think a lot of that is due to Robertson's portrayal, but – it's also due to the way that Bird put it all together because I, I think, man, I think in the wrong hands, that character would have ruined the movie within the first 10 minutes of the movie, uh, of the, you know, it's starting. Oh, absolutely. And, and you can almost tell the audition tape was her discovering the pen and being transported into another world because the, the sure. sense of curiosity and wonder there mm-hmm. is, is so yep. great. And it piqued my interest in the trailer, but I mean, uh, she plays that perfectly, and you totally. had to have known if you saw, you know, a screen test of that. Like this is the girl. Uh, she yeah. she does it great. It, she, you really get a sense like she doesn't know what the heck is going on, and right, and she, you know, the perfect casting choice there. I'm I'm excited to see her. Yeah, career. I was very impressed. I thought she was great. I also really I enjoyed Clooney. Clooney has gotten to a point where I think. He's just kind of playing a shade of himself in everything that he does, but it's such he's so fun that it, it, I don't know it it uh, it makes up for a multitude of sins, I guess. And in this case, it seems like it has been a while since we've seen him in a movie where he is having fun. Since the last couple of movies have been Gravity yeah. and Monuments Men and stuff like that, and I thought he was, I found him to be even more enjoyable than normal with George Clooney, which is saying something because I think he's generally pretty great. I was a little bit creeped out by towards yeah. the end with the yeah. kind of that al- was a bad al- they almost kissed Athena and George Clooney like towards right. the end. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was I'm glad that didn't happen. But yeah, uh, that definitely was a creepy. That could have been done uh in a much less creepy manner for Absolutely. sure. I mean they didn't go nearly as full creepy as it could have been, but I think some rewrites to uh, just clean that up a little and not get anywhere near that territory would have been would have been better. One more, I guess, not plot hole, but uh, something I, that just was left on un, on un, uh, explained. The hat, the NASA hat, 
she loses the hat and that's really that's it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there was obviously significance there sure. somewhere for the NASA hat. Uh, I wanted that to be explained more like right. it was a hand-me-down or, or I think she said it was her father's or something. But yeah, yeah. She, it, it flies away and then she kind of turns her head and then that's it. You know, I don't know why you have to go explaining the importance of the hat if there's mm-hmm. no importance of the hat. Like, like I was, I was just – Totally. Waiting for it to be like the missing link to, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, to the the Tomorrowland like energy <laughs> source or something like that. Yeah. You know, we just needed an old piece of canvas. Oh, it, here it is! It, like <laughs> it's the NASA patch we've been waiting for. <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't wasn't the case. But man, production design was good. I have a feeling this yeah. will be. You know, the the concept artists were great in this. I can tell. You know, Disney has the best talent of yeah, anyone absolutely. and and yeah. sometimes they do great work sometimes it all comes together other times it doesn't but uh man a lot of great matte paintings i see in this some practical effects were used so i appreciated that mm-hmm. and and just just a some a lot of great ingenuity and and i want one of these tomorrowland pins i'll be honest yeah wanna, it's very cool it's an interesting prop it's too bad the yeah. movie didn't turn out to be better but i would give disney a lot of credit i think they get a lot of crap for being a soulless corporation and just pumping out whatever is going to make the most money. And this movie definitely doesn't work as well as you would like it to. And it's definitely not going to be the hit that they want it to be. But this is, this is a pretty big swing for the fences kind of film. Oh, sure. And sure. They didn't hit a home run on it. And it turns out to be a deep pop fly, you know, but uh, I think you have to give, I think you have to give them credit for taking that kind of chance and, trying to do it the right way even if it didn't all come together the way that we would have liked it to okay let's move on to grades unless you have any any other no that's i think we're good yeah i think we've covered pretty much everything i'm sure we'll talk about it again when if and when richard sees it i know he's looking forward to it so i want to hear his thoughts yeah on it as well please listeners submit your thoughts too maybe this will come up again later this year i'm going to give this movie a B minus. Sure. Uh, it's not a C it's, it's, you know, it didn't have me cringing. It didn't have me looking at my clock waiting to waiting to leave type of thing, but it just didn't ever get past that point of mm-hmm. curiosity for me where it wasn't satisfactory. The explanations or even the, uh, exploration of the world of Tomorrowland I felt was, was very lackluster. So sure. it, it felt almost like a preview of another film that we haven't seen yet or a prequel. I would like to see a prequel of, of this, how Tomorrowland came to be and all that stuff. I think that would be interesting, but sure. you know, financially, I don't think that's feasible no. at this point. No. It'll probably never, never get the sequel uh, that they, they had so desperately hoped that it would. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, what's sure. your grade? I'm going to go just a little bit higher than you. I think I had B plus in my head, but after talking about it more, I'm going to, I'm going to drop it just a, just a tad. Uh, I think I gave John Carter a B plus when it came out and this is a little bit below that. I'm going to just go with the straight B. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a good part of it and I, I think it's got some cool ideas. I don't mind the preachiness, uh, because I think it has some value and, and also, Movies like this just don't get made anymore. This yeah. is a this is kind of a throwback to not even when we were kids, but really even before that when Disney would pump out live action kids movies. And uh in the eighties we got a bunch as well with uh, you know, E. T. and uh the Goonies and 
stuff like that. And and that kind it, it kind of has that same vibe. So I enjoyed the nostalgia of it, even if yeah. it doesn't really all come together. I would hope that eight, nine, ten, twelve, whatever year olds are are getting a chance to see this and are are enjoying it because it it definitely has some something to it as far as uh, looking looking ahead and maybe it's I think it's trying desperately to be inspirational and I don't know that it necessarily is but but I would hope that maybe this leads somewhere for that type of film I, I don't know I just feel like there's a place for that kind of uh, that kind of adventure and I don't feel like it's being filled so anyway it's a it's a B for me and uh, definitely could have been a lot better but also could have been a total disaster totally agree. And uh, I, I'm surprised we were similar on that. I thought you'd be a little bit. I, you're a little bit higher, I guess. But I thought you'd yeah. be more. I was more thinking B plus coming in, but uh, some of the, some of the points you made were were good, and it did very much remind me of some of these other th- things that I like more than this. So it's kind of a all the things that it's playing off of. It's doing a kind of a poor man's version of those things. It looked expensive. I'll say that apparently yeah. a two hundred million dollar budget here. Yeah. Good luck making that back, guys. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But what? you know what? They're going to make $7 billion with Star Wars, so it's fine. <laughs> and they got Inside Out and uh, The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, before it's going to be a Wars, good so. year for Disney regardless of how well Tomorrowland does. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And Avengers, mind you, <laughs> yeah. is a joint, joint venture there. Yeah. Okay, let's hit a quick recommend. Weekly Recommends. Speaking of investing in uh, in your future and in science, I want to recommend something for our listeners and our listeners' young ones. Hopefully, uh, you have some young ones that maybe you listen to our show together with uh, in the car or uh, at, at home or out on the patio or whatever. But Bill Nye, the science guy, is on Netflix now. <laughs> and if you're like me, in you know, growing up in elementary school, and that that cart rolled into the classroom, <laughs> and that VCR was there, and the TV was strapped down to the cart with those giant straps that I don't know why it had to be strapped down. It's like, right? I don't know. <laughs> like, what what are we planning on? Are we planning on racing with these carts, people? But when that thing rolled into the room, and then you know, the Bill Nye theme came on the uh, <laughs> came on the screen, man, it was just pure joy. I had such great memories learning about science and and the earth and, and space and gravity and, and everything about this world that we live in through Bill Nye. And, and it still holds up really well. I actually watched uh, two of the episodes the other night as I was falling asleep. And it's still really informative, really fun, and it's really kind of ahead of its time comedically. Uh, you know, go back and watch it. I think, you know, shows like Tim and Eric have kind of ripped off that kind of vibe that Bill Nye had of... Uh, VHS quality, you know, fast cuts and, uh, and and random interludes of music and things like that. But really, really fun show. And you know, if you've got a young one, a three three year old, maybe a little bit older, you know, young elementary kids or middle school kids, and they've never seen Bill Nye, they're totally missing out. And it'll it's inspired a generation of of scientists to pursue fields in science, and therefore creating a better tomorrow ah. so uh so i was i will recommend bill nye the science guy on netflix uh have at it i know we brought him up i brought him up for american treasures he didn't make it uh he he has very, taken a strong stance on the climate change debate 
over the that's and, true. and the creationism debate over the past few years. So uh, that's kind of taking his sense of humor about oneself down a peg. <laughs> yeah, it's but, very serious. But you know, show holds up. It's a classic. Uh, check it out, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Brian, what's Sweet. your recommend? I'm also going to go with the TV series that just started. It's, I think it's got two episodes out. Uh, Ken, have you had a chance or have you had any interest to watch uh, Wayward Pines on Fox? No, I haven't. I have been meaning to, but I've seen I've seen good things, very good things. I really dig it. Like it's uh, it's pretty strong, and uh, it, Kevin, excuse me, Kevin Dillon is kind of a James Spader light. Like he always seems like he just did something shady to me. Uh, but it fits really well. It's very reminiscent of X-Files or even Twilight Zone, stuff like that. It's very strange and and, and a little creepy. And uh, there's definitely a, a whole lot going on. Twin Peaks, it, it reminds me a lot of Twin Peaks. And, gotcha. Uh, and, and the, in the best ways, I think. So I watched two episodes. I think it's a 13 episode. I'm going to have to pull that up uh, and look. I, it's 10 or 13 episodes is what it's 10 episodes, which is great. That's what most TV should be. I feel like at this point, yeah. 10 or 13 episodes and, uh, and then get out and you have more to do in the second season, but it's got pretty good cast. They do a great job to this point of keeping the mystery while also paying off some of the stuff. So you're not just dragging out the entire season without getting any answers or any kind of, uh, resolution on, on some of the stuff that happens. But it's uh it's been pretty interesting and I'm I've enjoyed those first two episodes and looking forward to what it's got uh coming up. So definitely get on board for that if you're like I said you've only missed two if if you haven't been DVRing you can probably find it on demand and get caught up. It's it's pretty pretty strong and and really good for for summer viewing, I think. Sweet. I'll check it out. Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill12. Uh, you can find my writing occasionally at the madaboutmoviespodcast.com and uh, some of my other stuff across the internet. Kent, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can follow our show on Twitter at MAM underscore podcast. A lot of movie news on there, a lot of hilarious banter, and we, we'll, uh, we'll tweet out what our next episode is going to be. We'll tweet out immediately when our episodes are released. Also, go like us on Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash Podcast. hit a like on there mute us if you want but the likes do go a long way we really appreciate those it really helps uh, the show move forward so thank you and just a uh, a little preview we will be attending Dallas Comic Con this next coming weekend yes, 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 yes. all three of us have, have been given media access believe it or not I don't know, I know. what accreditation uh, we got that people <laughs> think we, we belong at a place like that yeah. but we may have some interviews lined up with some awesome people Still haven't got that confirmed, but we'll be there nonetheless. Maybe talk to some fans, and if you see yeah. us or recognize us, come say hello and shake we our hands, love, and we would we'll love say to hi. talk to you. Except and, uh, Richard, don't don't make eye contact with Richard no. if you see him. And uh, and you know, like I said, still up in the air, but we're we're planning some special stuff around that. So stay tuned. Uh, but until next time, coming. yeah, uh, I'll see you at the cinema. All right, bye bye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me yeah, yeah. Silence is rambling
again. 